talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. And welcome back to Messy Christianity. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. All right. So this is your first time in the studio here. You ever done a podcast before anywhere else? It's been a long time. Long time. You know, <laughs> podcasts hadn't even been around for a long time. <laughs> well, it's been a while since I've done one. Just a little while. Well, I'm glad to have you in the studio today. Basically, um, we've known each other for quite a while, really through Facebook. Right. And uh, I've been kind of following you and, and listening to your story. And, and the first time I heard your story, I thought, man, we got to get that guy in the studio and share because you have uh, you have lived a, a journey of grief and joy and um, just pretty much the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And, you know, that's really not unfamiliar with a lot of people. Um, and if it's not part of their story now, it very likely will be in the future. So what I want to do is really just give you a chance to, to share um, whatever part of your story you want to share. And then um, the goal is to hopefully help people to see that um, the gospel has sustained you um, in ways not not perfectly the gospel's perfect but you know we're human but it's it's sustained you in a way that uh, has kept you and put you where where you can still wake up every morning and, and keep it going uh, well uh, yeah I, you know the the details if i went through the details of everything that um regarding our story and our grief struggle and and uh, all the things that go on with that, we'd be here a while. So I'll just do a really brief, uh, I'll just do a really brief uh, kind of rundown of of what we have been through and what our struggles have been. But um, I was kind of a late bloomer to Christianity. I mean, I was raised in a very small town, uh, very rural town in Mississippi, and uh, wouldn't trade that for anything. It was a really great way to grow up. We had a, our little Mayberry and uh, really enjoyed that. But, I, I, you know, when I was younger, when we talked about spirituality, I guess, uh, the the basic gist I got of it was it was about, you know, joining the church, picking when you were going to join the church. And, and of course, my family was Baptist. And, I, you know, I just never... Um, I don't, I don't know it never it never really struck a chord with me and so um being baptist or being a christian but, well just just the whole <laughs> jo- the whole joining yeah. the church thing i just didn't see a need for it yeah and so i you know but when i got to when i got to like uh first year in college um you know started you know dating i started dating my wife at that time and uh, of course, one of her main questions was what you know what church I was a member of and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and, you know, it, it was you know I just told her I never had really you know been into that, and so uh, she let me know pretty quick that that was going to change. And so um, we started going to a, a little Baptist church that she was a member of, and so then we got to talk about you know she got to talking to me about salvation and all that kind of stuff, and. Uh, so you know, I I didn't really know what it was all about, but anyway, during a revival service, I you know of course walked an aisle. It's kind of a traditional thing to do in Mississippi, and and um, you know I said the prayer and went through the motions, but uh, nothing really. I don't think anything really. There was really anything spiritual about it. It was kind of a physical 
deal that I went through because that's just how I felt like, you know, everybody was telling me to act. And so that's what I did. Well, I struggled with Christianity for a number of years and went to work uh, later on in life. Of course, I graduated from Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, don't know whether anybody's heard we won our first national championship. <laughs> we we knew that was going to get in yeah, there yeah, at I, some point. I don't point. know if anybody's heard that. You, I, you have literally <laughs> been planning and plotting, how in the world am I going to mention Mississippi <laughs> State? Yeah, I had, I had to get that. Well, I mean, if I you get it one time in 100 years, I guess it's yeah, you got to it. put it in there somewhere. That's time right. in, well, I know it's been 58 years because that's how old I am. But um, I'm sure both of the other Mississippi State fans that are listening would be very happy about yeah, this. Yeah, I'm sure they would be. <laughs> but uh, maybe I can get some of them to figure out how to find this podcast. We'll have more of that. Listen, but uh, I, I guess I was in my uh, early 30s, and you know, life had kind of you know gone on. And my wife and I had gotten married, and we had three children by that point. And I was working in gaming and uh, had, you know, done really, really well out of all the things that I had done. I was an accountant before I got into the ministry. And uh, out of all things I had done, I was most successful at that. And, I mean, it was just uh, my life revolved around the gaming industry. I just really loved it. But some friends of ours that we had made after we moved to the town that we were living in at the time were inviting us to church. And. Uh, you know, I, by that time, uh, you know, I really was kind of out of it and, and just not really much into church or anything like that. I mean, my my life revolved around gaming, and most, most church people didn't want anything to do with us. Yeah, you had the plague. Yeah, yeah. Unless you were a tither, and then you'd yeah. have been if covered been, by the blood. Yeah, if you had a big <laughs> jackpot, that was holy money then. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but, but anyway, I, I attended another revival, and, you know, it was I didn't really want to be there. But the second night of that revival, the guy, or it was the first night that he preached, and I was just kind of making fun of him to myself, you know. And uh, about halfway through that, though, he, you know, the Holy Spirit just began to deal with me. And, you know, I realized he was preaching to me. And mm. I'd love to say I got saved that night, but I didn't. But we went back all the nights of that revival. And the last night of it, uh, we drove to some friends of ours' house after it was over. And that's where I gave my life to Christ. Well, little did I know how, how valuable um, that would be. You know, I, I didn't realize the value of it before, but and I don't know that you know I don't know that we fully realize the value of having a relationship with Christ immediately, until we're forced to rely upon the grace and the uh, the, the sufficiency of it that's available to us. Yeah. At that time, I adopted the live verse of uh, Galatians two twenty and twenty one. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live; yea, not I, but Christ who lives within me and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself for me. You know, as you go through life and life experiences change you and mold who you are, uh, I, you know, I find, found that life verses change over time. Mm, yeah. So uh, we, we tend to, tick, to pick them based on what we want to hear, and then uh, then we, we tend to pick them on based on what God is doing in us. That's absolutely, you know? and that, and that's where I've gotten with it. Well, now uh, my life verse now, and I, I I suppose will be until the day that I die, is Romans eight eighteen. 
and that's far, I suppose, the sufferings of this present world not be are not worthy to be compared to the glory that's to be revealed to mm. us. Now, I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot about God's glory. I think sometimes we think we know more than we really do. Um, it's impossible in the feebleness of our human mind to capture, I think, what God's glory is really all about. We see glimpses of it. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, now we see through a mirror dimly, but then we'll see face to face. So I I can't tell you about, uh, I can't sit here and tell you perfectly about God's glory. I just have not experienced it in its perfection yet. Uh, I know that I will. I'm confident that I will. Uh, But I can tell you about suffering. Mm. Suffering is something that I uh, have endured and I, I will I will say this if that glory is that much greater than the amount of suffering that my family has endured over the last few years then it must be something else wow and uh, because I can tell you about suffering and uh, we suffer on a daily basis I suffer uh, you know 365 days a year seven days a week and it never stops. And sometimes it's worse than others. And But I tell everybody, you make a choice every day. And we all do this, I think, subconsciously without knowing it. We make a choice. Uh, we don't have a choice about whether we live or die every day. But we ha- we do. Ha- uh, we're going to live or we're going to die. Every day that you spend from for the rest of your life, you're either going to live that day or you're going to die that day. And uh, we have to make a choice. Yeah. And, and uh, so I... For me, making that choice is a little more difficult. And but most days, I choose to live that day. Sometimes I, I, I don't do a really good job, and I, I die that day. But uh, you don't have a choice. You're going to do one or the other. Yeah. And and but uh, well, that's probably what has um, caused me to be uh, to f- feel connected to you, even though there's great distance, is because you are not shy about hiding your suffering. But you don't do it in a poor me kind of way. It, it's a, it's there's a transparency and in an authenticity about it that that really speaks to people. You know, most of the people that I see commenting on on some of your days, there's a genuine. They feel uh, they don't feel what you're feeling. That's impossible. Right. But but they but they feel that you are feeling what you're feeling. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. Um. So that's. But everybody can identify with grief. Yeah. I mean, they may not can identify with the level of of grief that my family has endured, but you know, we've all been through the worst thing we've been through. So everybody can identify with grief at some level. And uh, you know, what I have found um there's just a lot of verses that I cling to. You know, 2 Corinthians uh chapter 13 verse 2 where, you know, God promises his grace is sufficient for uh, and uh, you know, the the if you look at the context around that verse, it, Paul was dealing with his thorn in the side issue, and and you know he his his way of dealing with it was, Lord, take this from me, take this, and and God says, you know, my strength's made perfect in weakness, yeah. and you know, pretty much tells him, I'm not going to take it away from you, but I can give you the gra- the grace that's necessary and sufficient to deal with it while it's there. Uh, my grief will never go away. It'll be, I'll be, you know, my heart will be broken the day that I die. I'm living proof that you can live with a broken heart. And let me get back to that. We, uh, I, I was working in gaming and at the time we had three kids and, and, um, you know, it was, um, a lot of transitions took place in the first year and not, you know, not the least of which was God calling me into the 
to full-time vocational ministry. And so we, we began to deal with that. And, of course, um, you know, making a long story short, I uh, went to seminary and, you know, started preparing for all that. And uh, my kids were raised. And, you know, God just worked out an amazing plan. Uh, my kids were able to go to the best schools in the state of Mississippi because we had to relocate so I could go to seminary and, uh, you know, just really wonderful. And, and they all did well and grew up. And uh, so by the time I was on my, I was in my second pastorate. I've had five. And I was in my second pastorate. And uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, was uh, 21 at the time. And uh, that was in uh, 2007. And, you know, I had learned to walk by faith and trust in grace. I mean, you've been through seminary. You know how that is. If you've been through, if you've been through seminary as an adult, you, you know, and I was much an adult. I was one of the older guys in, in seminary. So, uh, and I had three kids, a family, and, you know, at one time I was working – uh, you know, working a secular job, <laughs> pastoring a church, going to joys. seminary, yeah. you know, trying to trying to raise a family and all. So, so I learned really quickly that, you know, God's grace was sufficient. I didn't know how sufficient it was uh, until later on, and I still, I still don't think I really have a full grasp of it, but I've got more of a grasp today than I did, uh, I did you know, then even as great as I had to depend on the sufficiency of his grace. There were times tuition didn't get paid apart from the su- sufficiency of God's grace. There were times rent didn't get paid apart from the sufficiency of God's grace. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I had gotten to the point where, you know, I was like, you know, we're, we're at this place in our lives and in our ministry and, you know, we really, we really need, you know, some direction. And uh, I was bivocational at the time and, and just, you know, kind of just looking for peace and direction. And my wife and I attended a uh, bivocational minister's conference. It was up in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And uh, the second day of that conference, the breakout session for the women was on uh, ministering through grief. And uh, the guy who was um, over that conference was a guy named Ray Gilder. He was the uh, bivocational minister of uh, by, uh, Tennessee Baptist Convention at the time. And so, but his second day was about losing his son in a car accident and continuing to be able to fulfill the duties of ministry through that. And I remember my wife and I, we got to our hotel room, we just cried for it seemed like hours and held each other and, you know, prayed for Ray and his wife and and just couldn't imagine working, uh, making it through something that, you know, I had never, up until that point, I had never really seriously thought about losing one of my children. I just, uh, you know, I didn't even like the fact of thinking about them having to die someday and much less in my lifetime. And so we got back and the next Wednesday we had been to church and uh, my wife usually didn't travel it was quite a distance to the church she usually didn't travel with me on Wednesday night just because she wasn't off work in time to get home and us meet and get together and be there Uh, but we had gotten back home and uh, we were getting ready for bed and we saw we had a missed call from my oldest daughter and it was around 10 o'clock I guess 10 o'clock p.m. 
And we tried to call her back and couldn't get her. And uh, so, you know, not really worried about it. Wasn't it that like that was unusual? You know, we thought she had just, you know, gotten uh, my in-laws. She was staying with my in-laws at the time, going to a college that was very close to where they lived. And so we went to bed, and about 2 o'clock in the morning, we were awakened uh, by a call from my wife's brother. And he, uh, you know, he told us that Jessica had been in a car accident. And, of course, you know, immediately we uh, just wanted to know how she, you know, how she was and, and where she was and what we needed to do. And so he told us very, you know, he's very calm. I don't know how he stayed calm through all that, but uh, very calmly. He said, she's here with me. And, and Diane said, well, how is she? And he said, Diane, she's dead. Mm. And uh, so, you know, I mean, you can imagine being yeah. woken up at 2 o'clock in the morning and finding out that your child. Uh, and I, I'll be honest with you, my first, uh, my first reaction to that, I never will forget it. My first reaction, the first thoughts that went through my head was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. And I felt totally forsaken by God. And, and I felt that way for a while, and um, I didn't know I didn't know how to I didn't know how to live. I didn't know I just didn't know. Yeah, you know, I had made plans to quit everything. My boss called me the next day, and you know he was of course offering his condolences. He was a great guy, and offering me his condolences and everything. And he said, you know, I'm not pressuring you, but when you get ready to sit down and talk about coming back to work, just just call me. And I said, man, I ain't coming back. Hmm. And uh, I said, you can take that job and do whatever you want to with it. And, uh, of course, I think I was a lot less kind than that. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I said. So you were angry. Yeah, I was, I was hurt. I was angry. I was confused. I was, I don't know, man, just the whole gamut of emotions. I, I, I couldn't see past, I couldn't see past the next moment, really. And and it, but then you know it's kind of like it's kind of like uh, kind of like a drug addict that's trying to get off drugs. They want to see five years down the road, four years down the road, and it, you know you really need to take care of the next minute, the next yeah. hour. And you know I was like you know I I, I remember telling my wife very early on, what are we going to do? You know let's just say we make it through today. What are we going to do next year? What are we going to do? two years from now what we're we gonna do 20 years from now you know this ain't go this is not going anywhere this is not going to be fixed and and it was very uh it was intense i mean it was a very intense time and uh i never intended to preach again never intended to work again never intended i, I just was going to check out uh had thoughts of suicide uh, i just didn't see how i was going to live with with that uh with my daughter not ever being in the same world with me again yeah I just i couldn't fathom that and um you know i looking back on it now i called one of my friends who had experienced the same thing that was in the ministry and you know he said you just have to trust god's grace and he had been working working through it for the last several years and and he was like, you just have to depend on God's grace. And I was like, man, I don't even want to hear that. I don't want to, I, you know, here I am, pastor, saved in the ministry. And, uh, you know, I'm like, dude, I don't want to hear that. And, you know, and... and um, well, I was going to ask you that. Do you um, do you recall being angry with God because of you, maybe you felt like you didn't deserve it? Or did that ever cross your mind? Or I don't know that I was angry at God. Um I guess it, you know, as it boils down, maybe, 
maybe that was you know part of it. I don't know that I was. I don't know. I don't remember being angry. I, I was angry because God didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If I, I was ang- angry necessarily at him. I was angry at what he didn't prevent and okay. what he didn't do. And so and, why did, why have you forsaken me? You felt abandoned by. Yeah, him. I just felt abandoned. I was like, why? You know why? And it, I don't know. I don't think it was necessarily a deserved thing. It was just I didn't expect it to be that way. You know, of course, yeah. ministry's been that way ever since I've been in it. Uh, Christianity's been that way. It, it, <laughs> I can t- I can tell you this was not what I expected. <laughs> as beautiful and wonderful as it is, it's not what I expected. And uh, you know, I never will forget. The f- no, no, keep going. I'm the, just the first fight I saw in a church business meeting. <laughs> you know, I'm like these that could people. could be a whole podcast yeah, on its own. Yeah, I was like, what in the world? What's up with it? I've never seen anything this intense in at work. You know, and uh, so you know what? I, the reason I was smiling is because it it. I'm reminded of all of the evangelism um, methods that I've heard in the past, and you know I'm not down in it at all. But but uh, the four spiritual laws, you know that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Oh, absolutely. You know that doesn't mesh well with the story you're telling. Oh no. Although at the same time, it is a wonderful plan. It's just not wonderful in the way you ever thought it would be. It's totally different than what you think, and uh, you know, but. It, looking back on it now, I can say this now. I could not have said this. Uh, Jessica's been dead 14 years now. I couldn't have said this 14 years ago. But looking back on it, and and it's good. I'm glad you said it and referred to it that way. It, you know, it wasn't a perfect plan for me. Looking back on it now, I can say that it was the perfect plan for me. Yeah, and, wow. um, you know, um, does that mean I'm glad my daughter died? Absolutely not. I think you know me well enough to know yeah. that. Does that mean I don't miss her every day? And uh, no, it's not anything to do. But God has used that in so many powerful ways, and He's given me so many opportunities to uh, share the gospel and expand the kingdom, and and just grab people's ear. You know, the Holy Spirit has taken my story and uh, and done a lot of things with it. So. Uh, would I, you know, if I go back and bring her back, would I? Yeah, I, absolutely. I'm a dad, and uh, you know, I loved my daughter desperately, and 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 uh, just like any other dad. But looking back on it now, the his plan has been a plan of perfection. It wasn't my plan, and I remember very early on, you know, I was thinking, God, if this is your plan, I don't want anything to do with it. Mm. And you know, the honesty of that, though, because so many people who who go through difficult times whether it's the death of a child a spouse you know any type of hardship really um they they don't want to say that out loud because it's almost like you're not allowed to say that you're not allowed to question god you're not allowed to doubt god but the thing that i go back to is he already knows it anyways so why why not go ahead and say it yeah i'm not hiding anything yeah (laughs) i mean my early own reaction was just you know just to be blunt you know god your plan sucks yeah and and, yeah and uh it wasn't stinks or you know it it was it it was what it was that's that's not funny but it but it's so funny thinking about how just how taboo that is well how we I'm just thinking all the Christian T-shirts, you know, Coca-Cola. He is the real Jesus Cola. He's the real thing or whatever, you know. <laughs> you ought to do a shirt. God's plan sometimes sucks. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll probably make a million. I oh, my know. gosh. Maybe, maybe you've introduced me and, to my and way to the make The irony it. of that is we know it doesn't, but with the physical temporary eyes that we have, it does. Because yeah. it's his plan 
which is perfect in ways that we can't even fathom until you move through God's grace and realize that he really is a God who 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 saves. Yeah, God who sees us. Absolutely. You know? And his grace is, is, is sufficient. I mean, his grace is, you know, whatever you need, whatever amount of it you need, you're always going to get it. Yeah. And, you know, that's to me is just so comforting uh, because, you know, difficulties didn't stop with my daughter dying. Uh, and which I'll, you know, we'll we'll elaborate on a little bit as we yeah. Go, let's keep going through finish. that because we're uh, as always our time just flies by. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's ticking away, but but uh, you know, and we had a we struggled, so we moved, and you know, we left where we were, and we moved to another location, thinking that maybe that might give us some solace. And you know, after a while, I did figure out I was going to have to go back to work again. Still had two children to take care of. And so we moved, and we were away for a few years. And uh, uh, and you know, at that time, my son had had graduated from high school, and he was in college. And so we there was quite a bit of distance between us. And so as we went through all that, we had some difficulties in a ministry that we were in at the time. And we felt God was calling us back, you know, back home, back to back to Mississippi, which. Uh, is where I grew up and have spent most of my life. I've lived several other different places for short periods of time, but it's it's mostly revolved uh, around Mississippi. So, um, you know, and then some opportunities presented themselves to us and we were able to move back. And uh, after a while, we realized that my son was struggling with something and we really didn't know what was going on. You know, we knew that he was very upset about my daughter dying and all kinds of different things. So we didn't know if it was a bitterness or what it was, but we knew something was going on. Well, ultimately, we found out uh, that he had gotten involved with different kinds of drugs and and that kind of thing, and and he was struggling with that. And and uh, you know the like I said, long story short, he had become addicted to opioids, and um, he even took it to the highest level of being addicted to opioids. He was addicted to heroin. And I never will forget when he told me on the phone, because uh, I, I knew he had been using some pills and and that kind of thing. And so I asked him on the phone. I said, "Son, how many how many oxycotton have you done today?" And because uh, I knew he was I knew he was messed up. And uh, he said, "Dad, I've not done any." And he started crying. And my son was this big, you know, six foot, two hundred eighty pound offensive lineman. You know, so. Him crying was just really disturbing, but he cried, and he said, I'm addicted to the same, you know, I'm on the same thing I've been addicted to for a while now. And I said, what's that? And he said, heroin. Hmm. And so uh, we struggled with him uh, and his heroin addiction for about three years. And then in August of 2014, our anniversary date is coming up, August the 9th, 2014. Uh, he was off spending the weekend with one of his friends, and a policeman pulled up in front of our house, and I walked to the front door, and, and uh, he said, can you come out here? He says, this is your wife and daughter? And I said, yeah. He said, we, can you walk out here with me? And so I walked out, and he said, I'm giving you a number, and this is the coroner in Lafayette County. And you know, you know that's never good. And I yeah. said, the coroner, he said, is, you know, is, is, uh, is Terry Michael Jernigan, Jr., your son? And I said, yes, and then I knew what was coming. And he said, well, I can't tell you all the details. You just need to call this number. Well, you only call the coroner for one thing. Yeah. And uh, I said, you got to tell me, man. You got to tell me what you know. And he said, I do know this. He said, I do know that he's dead. 
And um, so my son OD'd on sometime between August 8th and August 9th of, of uh, 2014, he OD'd. So not only had I lost a daughter, I now had lost a son. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how I was going to make it through losing one child, much less losing two. And I remember I remember telling him, you know, as we were struggling with his uh, dependency, I remember telling him, son, please don't make me live through this again. I said, you know where this is going. Please don't do that to me. And, and uh, of course, we were very open. He was very open with us about his addiction problems. And so, uh, you know, I told him, I said, I, I just, I can't do it again. And, you know, the truth of the matter was I couldn't do it again, but God could do it again. And and so uh, that's, you know, my journey since then has been, you know, grief intensified. And the way our year is laid out now, uh, my oldest daughter's birthday was February the 4th. She died February 28th. My son's birthday was April 20th. Uh, he died August the 9th. And so... There's wow. every period during the year. We, you know, used to we had a little reprieve. After we got through February, we could kind of make it till the holidays. But, you know, now it's kind of a year-round thing where you deal with with the struggles. And, of course, now, you know, the anniversary date's coming up, which is always a very difficult thing. And uh, and then, you know, immediately when we get through that, it's time for the holidays again. So, um you know, I don't know. I've I've learned I've learned God's grace and the sufficiency of His grace to a level now that um, you know I don't want to I don't want to say I know that I can make it through anything, but I, I can't see how I couldn't. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I never dreamed I'd have to lose one child. I never dreamed I'd lose two, but. Um, I, all I can say is this, and anybody out there that's listening, whatever level of God's grace you need, mm-hmm. if you're born again, it's available to you. And he will not stop until you have every ounce of what you need. And I, I can sit here today and, and having lost two children and buried two children and say that you know God's sufficiency in his grace is the most amazing thing that I have ever experienced. And that his plan is perfect. Uh, would I have done it differently? Obviously, I would have. But God's got His ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And you know, all I can all I can say about this, going back to my life verse, Romans eight eighteen, if that glory that's to be revealed to us is enough that it's going to make me look at the grief that I've been through and say that's nothing. It's got to be something else. Wow. And you don't want to miss out. Nobody wants to miss out on that. And it's only available where you, uh, uh, available to you through Christ. And uh, I look back now and I think, man, you were 34 when you got saved. You almost missed the boat. And I, and I don't know, different people react to this differently. But I honestly believe that God spoke to me during that time I was struggling with salvation and said, if you want to walk away, I'll let you walk away. But if you walk away, I'm going to leave you alone. Mm. And you can do whatever you want to do. Because I had a real struggle with uh, all I could see in my salvation, and it was through fleshly eyes, was everything I was going to have to give up. Because you were uh, making good money in the gaming, and you had a comfortable life and all that, right? Absolutely. I had everything going for me. 
had found my niche, really. You know, I had found my niche in life. I'd never really been satisfied in any of the, I'd worked in other industries, and I never had really found any satisfaction. But when I got in gaming, that you know, I was like, man, I was born for this. You know, this is what this is what God set me up for. And and uh, but but uh, you know, I knew immediately upon my salvation, I had to get out of it because gaming was my God. I mean, everything. Uh, I, I loved what it did to people. You know, I, I've I've seen it destroy people, and I and I loved it. I mean, it was fascinating to me uh, to watch people just throw their fortunes away. Uh, for the chance of winning, you know, something that they really didn't even need. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it really made no sense, but it, it was a fascinating thing. But, and, you know, I, now I look back on that and I know that was just my evil nature, you know, just love and evil. And, and, uh, but I, I think about that a lot. I think about, uh, you know, I, I don't know what I'd do. Uh, I I know what I would have done. I would have been I, as suicidal as I was at one time. I'd have ended it because I don't think I don't think I could have made it without. I know I couldn't have made it without Jesus. And and uh, I, I really look back on that now. And I looked at that decision. And I look at all. You know, everybody thinks well. You know, salvation is one of those things that just happens by accident. And the Book of Romans teaches us anything but that. You know, God's got this predestinated plan of salvation and he you know thank god he had one for me and and uh wouldn't trade it for anything in the world and and i can sit here today and uh you know i don't know what the, what impact this has had on any anybody that's been able to listen to it but i can sit here today and tell you that uh, i wouldn't trade my salvation for anything and most most people think well that's the getting to go to heaven when you die thing no that's the getting to live everyday life thing yeah. uh i treasure it more now for the life i get to live uh, you know, I thought at one time I'd never smile again. I mean, I thought at one time I'd never, uh, and I went through a period of time where I almost feel, felt guilty when I did experience joy. And so I would try to suppress that. But you know, God's good. Uh, we still have our daughter, Chloe. She's 25, about to be 26. And um, last July the 4th, she had our first grandchild. So he was born July the 4th. Cute little kid, too, 2020. Man. He's a mess. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you saw <laughs> the, gor- the gorilla pose at the zoo yesterday. <laughs> I did not see that. But, but, uh, but uh, he was beside this big, huge outline of a gorilla, and he's posed just like the gorilla. But it was uh, so, you know, God has brought our joy back. Uh, our joy, uh, you know, I think about our. Uh, you know, our goodness, our goodness is going to always be tainted. And and that's what glorification is all about. Uh, you know, glorification is not going to be real to us uh, until we're in glory with and see God face to face. I think that's the the same way it is with uh, with goodness. You know, I, I've God's allowed me to experience some good things. I mean, my heavens, I baptized five people last Sunday, so... And how wonderful is that? How, how, how you know? The, I never will forget the first baptism I did. How wonderful that was, and um, and just you know all the ones that you know that God's allowed me. At. But I, I look at that goodness and that greatness and that wonderfulness of all the things that God's allowed me to see, and and I think it, it's just a shame that all that's tainted with sin. Yeah. And you know our happiest moments, I guess, for the rest of our lives will be tainted with a degree of grief. But we're happy, not happy to uh, the level that we once were and probably never will be again. But it's a different kind of happy, and it's wonderful.
and it's yeah. wonderful to be uh, to know that that's all a product of God's grace and has nothing to do with us or uh, nothing to do with any happiness we've been able to generate. You know, I could we were we're talking about making money and you know I could become filthy rich tomorrow and I'm still going to have grief in my heart. Yeah. But uh, and and all the money in the world wouldn't be enough to take that away. Uh, but God's grace doesn't take it away. Just like Paul's thorn, he doesn't take it away, but he does give me what I need on a daily basis to, to live with it and to experience joy with it. So I'm thinking through this, you know, some, some people listening w- might have the thought, um, see what you get for following Jesus. If you follow Jesus, all these bad things happened. And my response to that would be, no, those bad things were going to happen anyways. Right. Following Jesus only allowed you to have the grace of God to be sufficient in the midst of that. Absolutely. And so I'm sure you've thought about this, but imagine had he not rescued you from the pit of darkness when you were in your 30s. Imagine having to go through these things on your own without the gospel, but having your only God being the, the casino or your money or whatever. I mean, that's that's the real tragedy is when Absolutely. you have to, <clears throat> when, when you look at a, 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 tragic, a tragic situation, you say, what now? You know, I can't remember the exact scripture. I think it's Colossians maybe or in Peter or something. But it says, we don't grieve as one who has no hope. You know, it's Thessalonians. You, Thessalonians. Yeah. Your grief is rooted in hope, which is totally foreign to someone who doesn't understand that hope. Because they, they say, how, how in the world can you even go another day? Well, I have the hope of the sufficiency of the gospel. Absolutely. Jesus is enough even in the midst of this. And so um, that's just a, 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 an incredible testimony of God's grace. Absolutely. Um, well, I had a lady ask me one time, how can you still serve a God who has inflicted so much pain? And my response to that was, how can I not serve mm-hmm. a God who has brought me through so much pain? Wow. And it's just a different perspective of how you look at it. And I think in lostness, you could never look at it from the perspective that, that I do and that my wife does and, um, you know, all those kind of things. Of course, I left out. There were a lot, There's a lot of juiciness in there that I had to leave out today because yeah. we had only 30 <laughs> minutes. But um, it's not I, – and I don't want to say this. I, I, I think this is important. I don't want to make it sound like it's been an easy ride for Oh, us. I don't think anybody would imagine uh, that. Because uh, yeah. we've been through, you know, my wife's battle alcoholism and – and uh, any number of things, and you know, I I got out of the ministry for a while and rebelled uh, for several years. And the way that God brought me back into that and allowed me to, you know, I thought I I thought that would never happen. Um, you know, I I thought uh, you know I can be I can be brought back a little bit, but I'll never be back to the level that you know where I was preaching the gospel every Sunday and you know doing the things. And, and that was my misunderstanding on the sufficiency of God's grace. God's grace is sufficient enough, makes no difference where you are, what you've done. Uh, his grace can clean all that up with a, with a confession. And, uh, Just yeah, that's like what, that. that. Absolutely. Wow. And, I, you know, I, I, I remember <clears throat> at, at the time I was so hurt by the ministry. I mean, it was a, this was a hurt by the ministry. Uh, after my daughter had died, in between the time that my son, you know, uh, my daughter died and then my son subsequently died, we had been really hurt in ministry. And uh, 
but I had, then I used to, of course, obviously I don't as much as I used to, but then I exercised a lot. And I could remember running on a treadmill, and what kept me going and motivated was I'm running away. You know, I'm getting away from this. I'm getting away from the pain and and all the things that went with that. And I never will forget, I, I never will forget the day that I finally come to the realization that, you know, God's what I need, not what I need to run away from. And I tell everybody this, that I get a chance to share this with. You know, I didn't know how I was going to make it back. And I didn't know how far I was going to have to run in the opposite direction to get back to where I needed to be with the Lord. And, and uh, But here's what I found out. As soon as I turned around, you know, he smacked me right in the face. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's just how he is, man. I mean, I, I wouldn't trade um, I wouldn't trade my salvation uh, for anything in the world. I desperately love my family. But I would not trade my family for my salvation and what God has done for me and what God has given to me. I don't. Uh, I don't look at it as what God has taken away from me. I, I. I would have never known God to the level that I know Him, and I would have never known the sufficiency of His grace to the level that I know it now, unless I had been through these experiences. And I wouldn't trade that for nothing in the world. I know the Lord in, in a deeper way, as far as the sufficiency of His grace, than even you do. Yeah. And uh, and I don't mean that mean no, or anything like that. I I, I just uh, I've I've lived that. I know that, and I know, uh, and of course you know to the level that you know it, but yeah. I know it to a deeper level. And uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Uh, you know, I've gotten to see things this side of heaven that a lot of people never get to see, and um, to me that's a privilege. That's not a curse, and I don't feel like a curse, Christian. I don't feel like, you know, there for a while I carried the weight of. What did I do wrong? You know, what did mm. I do that? And I never will forget how God addressed that. He always addresses stuff different than we think he's going to. And I never will forget, I was, you know, I was praying through it. I was like, Lord, just show me what I did wrong and I'll fix it. You know, and, and, and you know how God is. He's like, well, you've never been able to fix anything in, in the past. What makes you think you're going to be able to fix <laughs> this, you know? And. So I was like, look, I didn't come here to argue with you. <laughs> I mean, so I never will forget I was saying, you know, Lord, whatever I did, you know, to cause the death of my daughter or, or you know, and his response was very clear. He said, how dare you? And I was like, okay, that wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> and he said, how dare you think that I would inflict pain on your daughter for something you did? You're not that important to me. Wow. And, and and I was like, okay. He said, you're not that significant in the grand scheme of things. It's not all about you. The world doesn't revolve around you. And I'll be honest with you, I had to deal with repentance at the time because I realized that my flesh was making me more important than than I really was. And, uh, you know, I don't know that I don't struggle with that on a daily basis too. You know, I love being in spotlight, love being a guy, and, and – uh, I don't know if that goes back to my employment past or whatever, but um, I still struggle with that. I still struggle with being more important than I really am. And when I, you know, the best days of my life is when I let go and let God take care. I know that's so cliche-ish now, but when I let Mike get out of the way and let God take over, and and uh, those are the best days of my life now. So uh, a lot of freedom in that. And, and like I said, the sufficiency of his grace and the level that I know it. 
has just given me that freedom, and it's a it's a wonderful thing. And life is wonderful. I, I'm telling y'all, throughout all the experiences, I can sit here. Life is good. Life's worth living. It's worth fighting. And uh, even all uh, the struggles that we go through, uh, you know, nothing could uh, could take away from the beauty of what life is all about and what life in Jesus Christ is all about. There's nothing like it. You know, I was <clears throat> thinking about that shirt again. Uh, God's plan sucks. I was thinking you really could rewrite that one. If you think God's plan sucks, you ought to see your own. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> this thing that you're yeah. throwing out. Yeah, there. let's let's compare. Yeah, because yeah. really His plan is perfect. It's perfect. It's uh, it's just not our plan. It's perfect for everybody. Yeah. Everybody's and I hope plan pe- that God has for them is perfect. And I hope people can see the sarcasm or the facetiousness of that statement. That absolutely. You know, we we think that, but His His plan is perfect all the time. Uh, because he is a good, good father. And good doesn't mean absence of pain. Good means present in the midst of pain. Absolutely. Um, and victory in and pain. And victory in it, yeah. So, wow. Well, man, I have enjoyed the very, very quick 44 minutes to this point. It is... Uh, it is have we been here that long? 44 minutes yeah. and 37 seconds, my brother. That? Uh, but, you know, it never ceases to amaze me how when people start telling their stories, and, and that's just a snapshot oh, it's not of even. all that you could say. That's um, a portion of a snapshot. But you have given hope to folks. You have given a, a, an authenticity and, and a realness that we can we can look at and say, you know, um, I don't need to fear anything because God is is faithful. He's faithful to who he said he is, and his character stands on its own. Absolutely. And so, thank you for being here. Thank you for being here, Man, Mike. Thank you. And your last name's Jernigan. Yeah, Jernigan. I know some Jernigans around here locally, but I'm oh, sure really? you're related long down the line, being from Mississippi. So. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, although he's a country boy, so. All right, well, thank you for joining us today on Messy Christianity. We hope that God will bless you. We pray that this will be helpful to you. And if you enjoyed it, share it. Um, help somebody else uh, hear the story that you heard today. Have a great day, and we will see you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith, and everything in between. You want to know more? Check us out at www.storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com.